Okay. Um, Psalm 40, 1 through 10. Here's a question that is on our minds from time to time. I know uh, I've asked it. What is God doing? What is God doing? And I got to tell you something. My, my testimony over the last couple months is that God is doing something right here. Um, we're, we're praying about it. We're, 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 we're going to have a, a collective prayer effort sometime after the 1st of January. We'll talk about how we can participate in this and, and have a corporate fast. And we'll, we'll talk about ways we can do that. That'll be in January. Uh, but God is doing something. The, the Spirit is moving and stirring among us. And so corporately, we might ask, what is God doing? Even as we look at, at the activities that we're in, the things we're being called to, and the growing amount of enthusiasm and support we have for those things as we go beyond our walls, as we look at some of the trials and tribulations that we're going through uh, as a church family, as individual families within the church family, and realize that all of the things that we go through, God is using to refine us, to, to draw us closer to him, to sanctify us, and to mold us and shape us into a likeness of his image. So what is God doing on a corporate scale? What is God doing on an individual scale? Because we know he's moving. Matter of fact, we're going to see proof that he's moving in today's passage. So what is God doing? There can be an answer to this. We can over-spiritualize it, but I'm going to tell you there's an answer to it. And I pray that you are as excited about the answer to this as I have been, as I've been preparing uh, for this message. So let's talk about Psalm 40 and, and David and what's happening in Psalm 40. Uh, the, this is uh, a, a, the third of four psalms that seem to be uh, linked together. Uh, but leading up to it, we have Psalm 38 where David cries out for deliverance from the trouble that he's in. Uh, but he's realistic enough to confess that the trouble that he's in is a result of those offenses that he has committed against God. So he, he understands the situation he's in, that he's participated somewhat in it. And so he cries out for deliverance. In Psalm 39, it's kind of the same thing. There's a confession for sin as well in Psalm 39. And he asks for deliverance. And both of those psalms put an emphasis on David waiting on God. He's crying out. He's in trouble. He's waiting on God. And if you read in between the lines, you don't have to go too far on 38, 39, and 40. You also see David coming to the realization that life is fragile, that life is tenuous, that we don't know what's around the next corner. And he confesses that God does. He confesses that there's a reason behind everything that God does, uh, but David doesn't. And so life in the world is tenuous, it's fragile. Apart from God, it can be extremely fragile because those people who suffer trials and tribulations apart from God have nowhere to go with theirs. So David has this, this realization is coming in upon him, and if you take a look at what's happening around David around the time they think these psalms were written, he is having some difficulties. And so here's, how, here's David handling them. And Psalm 40 takes those two primary elements of waiting on God and, and the fact that life is fragile and that we need him if we're going to navigate these waters. And he kind of expands upon them. He reminds us of God's goodness. He reminds us of God's mercy, of God's steadfastness and his patience. 
And he starts out in the first half of the psalm, the first 11 passages, uh, verses that we'll be looking at today, with this profound expression of thanks. And if we take a close look at how it's all structured, we see that the thanks can be boiled down to three primary questions. What has God done? Verses 1 through 5. What should we do once we realize what God has done? That's verses 6 through 10. And what will God do if we concentrate on what he's done and do what we should do? What will God do? Verse 11. And verse 11 is a little bit of a prayer. So let's take a look at what God has done for David. And as we realize how God interacts with David, how he relates to David, we'll see a reflection of how God interacts and relates to us as well. So this is not just peculiar to David and his walk. This is for us corporately. What has God done for us? Yes. Okay, so what has God done for David? What has God done for us? In verse 1 he says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. Now, David is waiting. He's in trouble. And we all understand what this feels like. We've all been there. We've all been in a situation where the circumstances are closing in upon us. And the pressure's there. And the tension's there. And David's waiting. And he knows that God has heard him. He knows that he's cried out for God. He's not seeing the manifestation of that answer yet. But he knows that God has heard him. That God is listening. Now, we've all been in that situation where we've cried out to God, and maybe we're waiting for an answer, and and maybe we're wondering why he hasn't answered. Maybe sometimes he has answered, he just hasn't answered in the way we want like him to. Okay? But David knows, and here's the important thing we need to get from this, David knows that God is aware. He knows that God has heard him. Well, how does he do that? In verse 2, he drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He said, David's saying, I know God has heard me because my life is changing. My heart and my desires are beginning to morph into something that they were not before. I can feel them moving through my life. I can feel his presence. And in verse 3 he says, He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. So David feels this transformation going on. He's in the middle of trouble, but he's got a new song in his heart. And what is it? It is a song of thanks. And we get a basic lesson on how we're supposed to handle the trials and tribulations we run into in life. We're supposed to turn to God, cry out to him, and give thanks. Now, Conrad just mentioned it in the catechism. We give thanks in all things. That doesn't necessarily mean that we feel thankful. We're not trying to put a Christian smiley face on our troubles, amen? But we are to thank God because we know that he hears. And we know that he hears because something's happening in our heart. Something's happening in our spirit, drawing us closer to him. So we put our trust in God, not in our situation. You ever ever been involved with somebody who's just mean? You ever been in a group of people and felt like you're the outlier because you kind of want to follow Christ and want to be a reflection of holiness? You ever been a subject of Maybe you're in school and there's a group of kids talking about you. 
You see, we have to make a decision in those, those instances. We have to make a call on how we're going to handle this. And here's what the decision we make is, and, and this is what David's going through. He's got all these people that are rising up against him. They want to kill him. They want to do these bad things to him. They're saying bad things. He's worried about his family. He's worried about what he's been called to do. There's all sorts of things going on. And David has to decide whether or not he's going to define himself and his life by what's going on around him or what's going on in him. When we allow the people around us to define who we are and dictate our emotions and our reactions, they become our God. They become the sovereign authority over us. And we find ourselves gauging our day by how they're treating us and whether or not they're nice to us. And, and so we, we do things to make them nice to us. And, and we just... See, David gets this. I've got a new song in my heart. There's a change going on here. I'm trusting in my father, not in my situations. Now, if David had written this when he was the king and everybody was praising him and he's running through the, the uh, city and his ephod and so on and so forth, it would take a completely different look, wouldn't it? But we know David's in trouble. We know he's struggling. Now, David's theology wasn't fully developed. He doesn't have the advantage of the full counsel of Scripture that we do. We know what David's been going through because we who believe in Christ, we who have repented from our sins, we who have received him as Savior and Lord, we who are turning away from our sins and turning towards his righteousness, we who are on the path of sanctification know what we've been promised. And Paul tells us, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now notice Paul doesn't say that don't you feel new? <laughs> Aren't you in experiencing newness? He's saying this is what God's doing in you. And whatever change you're going through is because the Holy Spirit is beginning to conform you to the image of Christ. So David wants us to know even at his point of theology not having the benefit that we have a full scripture that we need to trust in God alone. And he, he, I mean, he says as much, blessed is the man in verse 4 who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. This is what David's telling us. Don't, don't worry about the people around you. Don't worry about the people that are criticizing you. Don't worry about the people that don't like you. Don't worry about the people that are saying things about you. Worry about your posture with your Father in heaven. See, the only affirmation we will ever receive that has any value at all is the eternal affirmation we get from our Father. And if we go seeking it from the people around us, we will be sorely disappointed and sorely unfulfilled. That's what David's trying to lay in front of us right here. Look what God has done for those who are his. Verse 5. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. Did you hear that? You have multiplied your wondrous deeds 
and your thoughts towards us. Do you know that God right now is multiplying his thoughts towards you? Towards us as a body? Towards every church in this town that calls upon the Lord Jesus Christ for his Lord and Savior? I mean, you can make this macro and it's really awesome, isn't it? That he's the God of the First Baptist Church. He's the God of Warrington Baptist. He's the God of, of the Faith Christian Outreach Center. He's the God of Mount Zion, of Trinity. But, but yeah, I like that. Amen. But there's a certain anonymity to that that kind of makes us comfortable, doesn't it? I'm just one of the crowd. Hide back here. Maybe God won't see me. God has multiplied his thoughts towards you. You're on God's mind and his heart. Now, we know that's true because you, if you are saved, are one with his son. You're united with his son. And he's one with the father. With this incredible blessing of intimacy with the creator of the world. And David says, why are you so worried about what's going on around you when you have eternity with the creator of everything who loves you and gave his son for you and is multiplying his thoughts towards you? So, so what has God done? David didn't know it, but David was right there at the beginning of everything. God took 12 men. Twelve scared men hiding in a room up in, in Jerusalem, afraid that they were going to come after them, and built the church. They changed the entire world with the church. Twelve guys that were afraid to say anything, couldn't get anything right, always arguing over who's the greatest. And he changed the world with them. Look around you. How many do we have? A lot more than twelve. I'll tell you something. He's done the same thing for Warrington Bible Fellowship, hasn't he? 1979, small group of people meeting under a tree. Look what God has done. We can worry about the future or we can give thanks for what he has done. This is what David's trying to tell us. God is moving. The evidence that he's moving is what he's done. And He's not just done it for Warrington Bible Fellowship. He's done it in each of you. We're all part of it. Well, how do we respond to that? What should we do once we realize what God has done? I mean, our works don't work out very well in this. Verse 6, in sacrifice and offering, you have not delighted. You haven't delighted in us doing church. But you've given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, behold, I have come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. David's name is in the book. It's not for what David did. It's for what God has done. David wants to recognize that he didn't work his way into this elevated position, that this is a gift of grace, this is a gift of mercy, that it's a gift on behalf of God moving. It's not all these religious things that we do. So 
in verse 8, he says, I delight to do your will, oh my God. Your law is within my heart. I want to do what you tell me to do. This is what we should do. We should want to do what he tells us to do. His law should be etched in our heart, should be engraved in our heart, should be so deeply written in, in the, the, the deepest recesses of our heart that it comes flowing from us naturally. And when we're there, when we know the word of God, when we have a desire to do his will, now listen carefully. Not all of us are going to have the same level of desire to do his will. Amen? Not all of us are going to be at the same place in our sanctification. Amen? So, what I'm trying to tell you is if, if there's a stirring in your heart, if, if there's a, an inkling deep down in there that, that draws you towards the Father that says, I should be reading my Bible a little bit more. Maybe I should be praying about this. Maybe I should stop doing that thing that I know that I should stop doing. That's the Holy Spirit beginning to etch his word on your heart. We can't all be in the same place. We're not supposed to be in the same place. God's not here to build spiritual giants. He's here to build people who carry his message, and that message is transformation. So if you have any desire to do his will, that's the evidence of salvation in you. I'm not saying if you do his will. God's not looking for perfection. He's got that in his son. He's looking for our desire to be closer to him. So if we have a desire for his will, if, if, we, if we have a desire to know about his word, then we, that takes us to verse 9. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. I have shared my deliverance with the people around me. In particular, with those people who gather together in the name Behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I didn't hold back, he said. Man, I want to shout this thing from the rooftops. I want to put on display the God who is changing me. Verse 10, I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. Were you watching the worship team? You see... the joy on the face of our kids as they're allowed to participate with us be contributing members of the church they're not concealing that joy in their hearts they're not saying they're going I'm worshiping inside don't ask me to put up my hands <laughs> we're supposed to be excited exuberant representatives of Christ and you know what? I, I got to be honest with you. We do that well. I, I mean, I, I just, I'm blessed when we come together. You know, I, I go downstairs every Sunday to see what's going on down there because I'm, I get insecure. <laughs> but I got to tell you something. When I come walking up that steps and I hear this congregation singing, I, I believe that I, I just believe that there's there's no greater blessing than hearing our voices joined together, praising our Father in heaven. And I will stop nearly every Sunday on those steps and just soak that in and think, thank you, Lord. How can I possibly go in there and speak to these people? They've already got it. So we let that out. We let that free. We go. We go to an area that sometimes might make us a little bit uncomfortable. It's okay. 
it's okay. God will stretch us and change us. Not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I've spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. Sounds like testimony to me, amen? I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. Now, I want you to notice that David's focus and everything he does is on his father in heaven and what his father is doing to him. It's not on him, not on his story. Not, David's not enumerating all of his problems, making sure everybody gets all the details and understands how magnificent his pain is. He's just saying, I put my faith, I put my trust in you, and I want people to know about you. I want them to know about your steadfast love. I want that people to know about your mercy, about your deliverance. I want them to see you in me. So that's what we should be doing. And if we do that, watch this. If we do what we should do, if we want to to do the will of our Father, if we allow that word to be embedded in our hearts, if we speak of his presence, if we speak of his deliverance, then here's what God will do. Third question, what will God do? Here it is. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. Mercy will flow like a river. We will be preserved. We will be protected. We will be put into more and more situations where we can do the same thing. God will not just preserve us. He'll enable us. So what has God done Well, he's listening. He's changing us. He's he's molding us into a shape and image. He has given us a new song to sing. That's the song that resonates in your heart when we come together like this. Some of us sing better than others. I believe God's blessed by all of them. And that song is a song about him. A song that will cause people to trust in him because he is multiplying us in ways that are beyond our imagination. What should we do about that? We should take delight in doing his will. We should be immersed in his word. We should be telling everyone, ourselves, and everyone outside of these walls about his greatness. We should be speaking about his steadfast love and his mercy and his deliverance. If we do that, what will God do? He'll show his mercy and he'll preserve us. What is God doing? He's moving among us, brothers and sisters. And that's why we have this special service today.